Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party. Driven by Mungan St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota. 101 ESPN, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Come on in, friends. The water is warm today. 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, use the 101 ESPN app to leave a mic drop. I know Stephen Wildwood has some thoughts so uh, we'll hear what he has to say. And Chris Kerber has some thoughts. We're going to hear what he has to say. That's coming your way at about uh, 10.15, Jackson. Is that correct? That is correct, Tim. All right. Well, you are locked in for uh, the Blues and Panthers tonight. That's uh, pregame at 6 p.m. on 101 ESPN. Panthers up from Sunrise, Florida. Hello, Matthew Kachuk. How do you do? Yeah, welcome home. Welcome home, Matthew Kachuk. Hopefully, oh. hand you an L. Uh, you going to be watching that, or are you going to be watching Missouri down on the plains, taking on war, damn eagle. Uh, the latter, with all but certainty. Well, uh, all right. Uh, who are you taking? Ah, uh, boy. Oh, interesting. Usually, well, any road game, you know, once you get to conference play, is you're going to be behind the eight ball for sure. Auburn has lost five of their last six. They like really need a win. They need this game, Tony. They really need this game. Uh, Missouri is kind of free rolling to an extent, but winning back to back in this situation would be huge for them. Uh, I like Missouri's chances just based on how the two teams play. But if you know, I'll know within the first five minutes because if Mizzou is just clanking threes off the rim, I don't. They they struggle really bad when they can't hit outside shots. So we'll see if Kobe Brown can stay out of foul trouble and they can hit some shots and create a little chaos. Then I think Mizzou can win handily. If not, it's going to be a dog fight that Auburn can come away with. Uh, what do you think the spread is? Go. I don't have time for you to think. Go. Uh, Missouri minus two and a half. Oh my God. Stunning. Is that it? No. Wardam minus six and a half. Okay. You thought Missouri would be a favorite? Really? I'm, yeah. I'm like, like legitimately surprised by that. I would have guessed Auburn minus four-ish. That's what I would have guessed. Fair I'm enough. surprised to see it at six and a half. Yeah, boy. That make, maybe, maybe makes... <laughs> Maybe you want to circle, do a little emotional risk management by no, taking Wardam. You would never. Never. If you like Missouri winning, they're plus 230. If you just want to go money lining. I do like going Missouri money lining. You lining. do like money lining. Yeah, because I, well, you know my policy on college basketball. Betting spreads under five, I think, is dumb. Yeah. Because you're going to get hit with the old free throw buck. And, and that's sometimes, but often you do. From the 636, and we're off. F off, Jackson. Uh, okay, I haven't I didn't really said anything of, uh, of interest. Let's see. Yeah, I don't know. That, but uh, you're not going to watch the Blues tonight. I think that's the reason for the oh. text. I could be I could well, be wrong on that. I, you know, people know where my allegiance stands when it comes and to And you are winter honest sports. with the audience. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, winter sports comes around. I am fully invested in basketball. 
That's just how I am. It's how I've always been. And I don't really plan on changing because I like to watch what I like to watch. So I don't judge anyone else on what they enjoy in their free time. So I would like the that to be reciprocated. But I understand it probably won't be. Some people like some things. Some people don't like other things. So poignant. Think that's, about that. That's the truth. Uh, Jackson, it's time for the Little Piddles Tuesday Totem Poll. Uh, that's actually a pretty good one. I'm going to use that one later. But this one's Tall Order Tuesday because answering these oh, questions is going to be a Tall Order. <laughs> no, that had nothing to do with it. Uh, all right. Off the top, John Mozeliak signed a new deal to keep him as the president of Baseball Ops through 2025. Press conference this morning at 9 o'clock St. Louis time. Yep. Was this to be expected, or were you surprised by this move or the timing of the move? I was surprised by the fact that he was at the winter warm-up without having a deal. That's yeah. That stood out to me, and I thought, maybe this is the end. So then the fact that it happened, and happened on the day they arrived in Jupiter, even though I'm sure he was there you know, well before yesterday, I am surprised by the timing. I'm surprised he didn't have it done until yesterday, honestly. I don't have any. All I can tell you is I think it's strange. It doesn't mean that it's malicious or nefarious. It just strikes me as surprising that he would be seven months out from his contract being up, having been in the organization since the late 1990s and not having uh, this this done. So I was thinking to myself, oh, this might be the end of the road for John Mazalak. But alas, that is not the case. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was weird that it was just kind of like hanging there like, ooh, is what's going to happen? Is this season dependent on what's going to happen next? But those questions have been answered. All right, second question. MLB has announced that it will keep the extra innings ghost runner. It will be a permanent move. Do you like the extension of this rule? Do you think it's a failed attempt at speeding up the game while compromising its integrity? Here's my honest answer. I go back and forth on it. My honest answer is I go back and forth on it. Uh, you can't end games and ties. Right. I mean, you, you can add games and ties. I don't think that is something that they would ever consider doing. That is how I should phrase it. I don't necessarily like it. At the same time, I don't know if it is in the best interest of baseball teams to have games go on 16, 17 innings. Right. So it's quite a spot. I haven't seen a solution that I consider to be better yeah i agree i i I think that i like the rule in just the sense that like they already play way too many games we've established that but they're not going to take away games but if you're making a game 1.5 times longer on top of the schedule that they already have it's going to be a real problem and i don't want to see position players pitching i don't want to see games go into 17 or 18 innings i know some people like that personally not for me so i'm kind of on that uh mizzou fell just three votes shy of being ranked this week we all know that doesn't really matter but do you think that mizzou is being slighted based on reputation if kentucky had mizzou's resume do you think that they are ranked uh yes i agree with that i think that goes on in college football even more so in which people pull for the brands or they pull for or manipulate to get teams into the college football playoff or make their case for them. For example, if TCU were Oklahoma in the Big 12, I don't think they would have had the issues that they had, at least with doubts about them. Um, I think, for example, specific to Missouri, Jackson, I think Missouri fans, because I don't know how much national attention they get amongst college basketball fans at the moment, uh, I think, like like I, I read Gabe Arman in Power Mizzou, uh, almost every day 
And he's still talking about what they got to do. Not that he, I mean, it's expected that they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But still talking about, you know, now if they lost this, you know, this team is 19 and six and have beaten some great teams. And I'm not blaming Gabe. I think Missouri fans think this way because Missouri fans have this history of expecting negatives. Yeah. Whereas if you want to use the complete total opposite, which you presented, Kentucky. I don't think that would even be on their mind. What they'd be thinking is, okay, if we can go 5-1 and one over our final six and then get to the finals of the SEC tournament, we'll be positioning ourselves for a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Right. So I'm not blaming Kentucky fans. I'm not blaming Missouri fans. What I'm saying is history frames mindsets of fan bases, and that is something I think the Blues fans dealt with up until June of 2019, the expectation that the bottom would fall out. With regards to the rankings, honestly, I was surprised in a major way. Actually, I would, I would have bet people yesterday that they would have been ranked. But here's here's the truth. I have no idea, minus what SLU and Illinois are doing, unless it's a like a Northwestern beating Purdue situation, what's going on Vanderbilt beating Tennessee last week. I just am not following all around the other college basketball teams that are ranked 20th through 30 right. to know who is where. I'm surprised that a team with Missouri's record and a win at Tennessee, which was number six in the country, uh, didn't get into the top 25. Yep. I don't necessarily care, but I do think it is good to create excitement around a program, but when it gets down to the NCAA tournament, it will have zero bearing. It has no bearing, but you, know, you look at a team, Providence is ranked 24th, Missouri has a better record, more quad one wins, all the intangibles the net ranking still disrespect mizzou i don't get it but you know like i said it doesn't matter in the slightest the hype is still there regardless if there's a 24 next to their name all right uh where do you think the lion's share of the excitement is for the two semi-new franchises starting here in less than a month the battle hawks or city sc where do you think the the attention of the of both the audience and st louis as a whole i need you to be more specific i like the question i just uh, i need more specificity in your line of questioning if you could please find sir so two different approvals or okay. two different interest level rankings the i think the dogs have way more interest right i agree in the st louis specter in the 101 audience where do you think it is do you think it's the same or do you think it's a little more battle hawks I still think it's the dogs, um, but I think this audience, it would be a narrower gap. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think that that's the case. I think that the new league, uh, and you know, not a shot at the XFL, but the MLS is the best league in America for soccer. So that plays a new role in it, and it's something that we haven't had in this town before. We've had football in this town before. We've had the XFL in this town before. We have not had the MLS in this town and now we do, and I think uh, that's going to get a lot of people going. And I think younger people are just into soccer more so than an older generation. I think that atmosphere at those dogs games is going to be something else. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. I think it's going to be something that we haven't seen in St. Louis sports perhaps ever, which actually the Battle Hawks in 2020 I think had something somewhat similar. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I can't wait to see what that looks like on March 4th, what yeah. that atmosphere will be like. It's going to be sweet. And the stadium is so beautiful, and that plays a big part in it is that it's a really quality stadium, you know. Not a real shot at the Dome, but most people would tell you that the Dome isn't necessarily the most conducive building to a great atmosphere. Worst NFL building I was in in my career of going to almost all of the NFL stadiums. And, by the way, it really wasn't all that close. With that said, I never went to a football game in Buffalo. I went to a baseball game in Oakland, but I yeah. didn't go to a football game in Oakland. But other than that, it was the Dome. Yeah, 
And so, that, and it was the dome from nearly the moment the dome was born. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it was never. And like I said, I've only watched fo- pro football in the dome, so it's not a great barometer for me. And then the final question I have: Are you still bullish on the Cardinals signing another offensive player if they don't? Oh, do you, you want your twenty bucks? Is that what you want? <laughs> I, I just sent you two hundred uh, yesterday. I thought that this would go down this road, and I didn't want it. No, to. it's absolutely what it's so passive aggressive. I have no. It's like when my five year old's like, "Well, someone help me with these Legos." I go, "Hey, I'll help you." But just say, hey, mom or dad, could you help me with the Legos? But you, will someone help me with the Legos? That's what this was. This was you <laughs> pouting about your Legos. Do I owe you the 20 bucks now or do no, I have until no. next Monday? Yeah, that's why the question I have there. no idea what's going on with the Cardinal offseason. None. I don't know. I don't have an answer. And unfortunately, taking the COVID year out of the equation, I didn't know what they were doing following 2019. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I, I think a lot of fans feel the same way. The weird thing is, is that nationally, the Cardinals have ridiculous expectations and equity with baseball media and baseball people. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there, there aren't high expectations in St. Louis. I'm just saying there are higher expectations for the Cardinals outside of St. Louis. That was the inverse going into the Blues season. Not to say that people didn't expect a lot from the Blues, but most of the projections had the Blues bordering on a playoff spot or on the outside looking in. Close, but on the outside looking in. I don't think anybody saw this coming. No. Um, so the Cardinals situation is a weird one. Um, because I think so much of it centers on a distaste for the way the Cardinals have allocated dollars and talked about spending money, and that's what frames it. So it is a really I would I'd be curious, like if I talk to reporters or hosts around the country, if they could con- like for example, in Pittsburgh, the biggest team there. Carry if Carrie Davis is still lurking, and I don't know if he would know. This is somebody who played because he's probably not locked in on media. If you're successful, you're not locked in on media. But uh, the Penguins are the big deal there. Mm-hmm. I would have thought for sure the Steelers are the big deal. Right. So I think if somebody from Pittsburgh goes, "Man, you guys got to be going Cardinal crazy," and I go, well, "Actually, people are pretty pissy about the Cardinals and the off season," and they go, "What, really? But haven't you guys been good for?" So it's a, it's a unique dynamic. So I'm trying to take myself away from the confusion regarding the way the offseason was handled to just look at it from a baseball perspective. And I just I feel like a lot of the business model for the Cardinals' success in 2023 has a lot of the word hope uh, attached to it. But maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe Tyler O'Neill, the 2021 season wasn't an outlier. Maybe Dylan Carlson finally hits, and maybe, and by hits I mean hits his expectations, not necessarily hits the ball, although that would be part of it. Uh, maybe Jordan Walker is ridiculous. Yeah. And Stephen Matz shows why Mazelak signed him last year. I don't know. Jack Flaherty reverts to 2019 form. I just I mean, we keep saying Jack Flaherty in 2019. Yeah, eventually it's like, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. yeah, and I think it goes back to what you said earlier, that history frames fans' mindsets. And from a national perspective, the Cardinals have been so good for so long that that's people just assume you know, they're going to be good, and you look at the roster, and you probably could say that. And Cardinal fans, history of the talent evaluation has been subpar in some places when you see the players that have left here be so successful in some cases, and then some of the players who have stayed have not been so. So, you know, like you said, history frames fans' mindsets. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. Store it in your phone. It's the Air Comfort Service text line. Chris Kerber is going to join us coming up. And then after Chris Kerber, uh, a study, Jackson, that might make people's minds explode Ooh. on baseball and baseball fandom. Wow. Yeah. 
I'm looking forward to it. I've been yeah. teased. Yeah, you've been teased properly. That's coming your way at about 1035. This is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganess St. Louis Acura here on 101 ESPN. And it is our pleasure to welcome to the program the voice of the St. Louis Blues. You can hear it at 9 on 101 ESPN. Blues and Panthers pregame 6 p.m. Chris Kerber with us. Morning, Kerbs. Morning, Tim. How are you? I am wonderful. How is everything going in your world, sir? Uh, you know what? Uh, I've got no complaints. Things things are going just fine. I, I do wish they'd move Valentine's Day to August, but aside from that, I'm happy. <laughs> Uh, Curbs, you will uh, not be spending Valentine's Day with uh, the family, I imagine, unless they're coming down for the festivities. Uh, Blues and Panthers tonight, Matthew Kachuk. This is a a chance for Blues fans to to see him now with the Panthers, and uh, what transpired to this offseason was certainly a storyline that was paid quite a bit of attention to locally, but also uh, around uh, the league. Uh, did you ever think that that was something that was close to happening, or was that more in lines of fans and wishful thinking? No, I actually do. I do think the Blues are very active in trying to acquire him. Uh, I, I do think that there were those within uh, the hockey ops department that thought that actually they had a really good chance and were close to acquiring him. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just think when Florida stepped up and offered Uyghur and Huberdo, I mean, when you're offering to trade a 115-point player, uh, you, you pretty much just threw the trump card down on everybody. I mean, I, I, in, in your poker vernacular, that's called having the nuts. Nice. And, I saw uh, that. Yeah, and, and that's that, that's really what Florida did there, and it pretty much knocked everybody else out of the competition. So, um, you know, I, the, the one thing, and, and I haven't really confirmed this on the timing of it, but I, I know from a salary cap standpoint, with as tight as the Blues were up against the cap, you know, it really became more of a decision of, of Letty versus Perron, and the Blues decided to go defensively on that. And I can understand why. Yeah, but but I, what I don't know about the timing of it was how much the timing of that impacted. Because it was, it was just before free agency. And, and at that's the time when you could still sign, you know, some of your guys before everybody else gets a crack at them. And so I, I don't know how much the potential of having to sign Matthew Kachuk for $9 million plus, you know, impacted them hesitant to, to get anything else done in the meantime. But it is what it is. Uh, he moved down to Florida. I think he's really happy down there. Yeah. I, I, I think the family is too. And look, guys, there, there is a certain amount of pressure that is not positive pressure that goes when you are playing in your hometown. You know, and, and as great as it would have been able, and I would have loved to have seen Matthew play here for the next 10 years, um, I could also understand just continuing to chart his own path and, and doing his own thing down there. So worked out for him. Now, the last time the Blues played Florida, he was pretty quiet for most of the game. I, I would not expect that to be the case tonight. So we'll see how that plays out. Blues and Panthers, once again, pregame 6 p.m. right here on 101 ESPN. Saturday night, the debut of the 91-less St. Louis Blues. Super slow start and a huge response, taking a 5-2 lead uh, in, late into the third period. And then the Coyotes 
bounced back and got that empty netter to uh, to for the six on five to force the overtime, and the Blues get it with Ryan O'Reilly getting the goal. Uh, a unique set of circumstances. Uh, you probably haven't called too many games recently where the Blues are in this spot and selling mode, and people monitoring the trade deadline. First time back on the ice in eleven days. And I was anxious to see how they'd perform. You saw the slow start, but then you saw the big response. What was your takeaway from seeing the Blues without Tarasenko and how they played on, on Saturday night? Yeah, you know what? This team has played good hockey when Vladimir Tarasenko wasn't in the lineup when he was hurt you know, or sick. So uh, I think they're used to that. They actually have a winning record this season with him out of the lineup, and, and they had a losing record with him in the lineup. Now, that would be grossly misleading and unfair to pin it all on him. So I'm not saying that, but... But in the end, some other guys filled in some roles, and, and there is some simplicity to the game when, when he wasn't in it. So there is that. And, and you know, back to the, the comment about the team being sellers. Tim, there's really, since 2000 when I got here, it was only, really only 05, 06, 06, 07, 07, 08 that, that the Blues were truly sellers. Mm-hmm. And, and by sellers, I mean they had Kachuk, they traded him, they re-signed him, they had Doug Waite, they traded him to Carolina, they re-signed him, they traded him for Andy McDonald again. Um, and, you know, the Bill Guerin trade, for example, you know, that, that led, I believe, to David Perron. Like, there, there are those kind of things that the Blues were in during that three-year stretch. Uh, and except for those three years, in the last 23, and that includes, obviously, the, the year-long lockout, mm-hmm. I, I think those are the only three years you could say that this team was in sell mode. Right. Yeah, you which, know? which, and, which and speaks so to some consistency, like, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean it, really, it really is something – something crazy and wild to think about so uh, the other the other aspect of where they're at now and and don't try to tell these players they're in cell mode i think although i think they they kind of know in the back of their head but you know this is also a pretty unique experience for doug armstrong you know most of the teams he's been involved with have been teams that are on the rebuild already you know or are trying to stay in that competitive mode so he's been a he's been a tweaker of rosters. He's never really been in this sell situation. Now, now here's the flip side of this: this isn't a total sell. You know, I don't think it's a clear cut thing that you just trade anybody you can get for whatever offers you can get, because when you've got the players that the Blues still have under contract and you've got the core here. See, and, and I'll go back to this, and I think we may have talked about this last week. You go back to 07, the cupboard was bare. Yeah. So when, with those draft picks that they were getting and Yarmo Kekalainen was running the draft and you're picking T.J. Oshie and David Perron and Patrick Berglund and, and those guys and Alex Petrangelo and, and you're rebuilding, you're picking with the cupboard bare. That's not the case here. Somehow throughout the Blues winning and staying competitive in one of the top teams in the West over the last 10 years, they've managed to continue to build assets and they've done that with some brilliant picking in the late first, second, and third round that has kept the, you know, them having some prospects here. So th- this is a very different situation, too, than it was in 05-06. Uh, and, and that's something I was talking about with Jeremy Rutherford yesterday, and he wrote a piece about it, that I think that there is an assumption by most fans that Ryan O'Reilly will be on the move, and I'm sure it's one of the people in the back of your mind you're talking about, uh, that uh, it just might not necessarily be the outcome when this is all said and done, especially if both parties are saying, okay, well, maybe we can get something done here. Uh, then this team isn't necessarily going into a full on rebuild like that situation 15, 16 years ago. Well, and it, but I don't even know that you're going in a full on rebuild, even if you do trade them. Now, to me, you're weighing a couple of things. You're weighing, what does the package look like? Does the package include another first round pick? 
you know, that, then you're really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, do, do you think you're close to – like part of this comes down to can you re-sign him, right? And I don't know, for example, if you're, if you're strapped against the cap, if you can re-sign Barbashev with what he may get. And when I look at the contracts that were just handed out to, to, to uh, you know, to a couple of players around the National Hockey League, you know, like, like a Dylan Cousins, it's going to be hard for me to see Ivan Barbashev signing for anything less than $5 million on a five-plus-year deal. So that's a hard thing for the Blues to fit. So rather than just let him walk and, you're not making it, and, and you, you may not make the playoffs, you make that deal. Ryan O'Reilly's a little bit different. Because if he can be cost-effective, if it can fit, having that presence around speeds up the development of other players. It's a very different situation. So you'll have to see kind of how that part plays out. But keep in mind, Tim, that part of it is the timing as well. You know, Remember, when the Blues traded Ryan Reeves to the Pittsburgh Penguins and they got Oscar Sundquist and a first-round pick, that pick that year was the 32nd pick. Well, the 32nd pick was used to take Clem Costin. Now, Again, that 32nd pick, is that second round? No, it's first round, but it's late, right? But it, it still took four years before he's even cracking the lineup here, yeah. right? And, and then, of course, then the Blues eventually traded him. He's having a, a decent run with, with Edmonton, but you can see how they don't always necessarily pan out. So it's what do you do with those other first-round picks? And if you're going to make a trade with a team that's competitive for Ryan O'Reilly or Ivan Barbashev, and you're able to get a first-round pick, you're talking about the same type of scenario that you have. It's going to be late teens or definitely in the 20s if, and if it's not even – I mean, and it could be 25 or later, depending on how deep of a run the, these teams go. Well, look, unless you're picking top five, maybe top eight, the chances of the pick that you pick impacting your team in the next two years is really unlikely. You know, the David Perron stories are, are, are not common. Mm-hmm. So, again, you're, you're, you're not just – you're trading a guy, you, and, and maybe you're getting a prospect, you're getting that pick. You're talking about someone that's probably not impacting your roster for a few couple of seasons, and you've got to keep that timing in mind. Chris Kerber will be on the call tonight. Blues and Panthers pregame 6 p.m. right here on 101 ESPN. Kerbs, always enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much for the time, sir. All right, fellas. Have an awesome day. Thank you. That's Chris Kerber with us here on 101 ESPN. Jackson, I deep teased this to give perspective with sports fandom in the United States, sports fandom globally, and just how massive football is and how baseball compares at the moment. That's coming up next. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. That's Blue Party. Munganest is the presenting sponsor. That's Munganest St. Louis Acura, 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan and Action Jackson with you. You are always welcome to uh, get involved on the show with a 101 ESPN app mic drop or by texting in the Air Comfort Service. Text line 314-399-9646. I deep teased this, Jackson. Um, statistical data. You say data or data? I said data. Mm. I go with both of them. Sometimes, sometimes I say data. Sometimes I say data. Yeah. How many people per Gallup listed baseball as their favorite sport in the United States of America? How many people, percentage-wise, listed baseball as their favorite sport in the United States of America? Do I have a sample size to go off or just all of America? 
those surveyed by the great people at Gallup, who we work uh, closely with here on Balloon Party? I'll say 14%. 14% final answer. 9%. Wow. Yeah, I was thinking double digits, but not 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 strongly thinking double digits, but wow, 9%. Uh, football has been the most popular sport in the U.S., took it over in 1972 from baseball, and nothing has come close to it since. This data coming from 538. And, uh, and it, is, it is eye-opening to see the popularity of football. The average regular season home game attendance for all teams in the big four North American men's pro sports leagues. Uh, the average attendance in the NFL, 59,389. The average attendance in baseball, 26,808. Uh, obviously, we're talking about bigger buildings here, so you have to uh, compare and contrast. Uh, NBA, 17,947. NHL, 16,877. The Washington Commanders drew the smallest crowds in the NFL in 2022, with just over 58,000 fans showing up to the average game at FedEx Field, while the Dodgers had the biggest games of any team outside an NFL team in the same year. Their games averaged more than 10,000 fewer fans than the Commanders. Once again, we want to drive home stadium size, right. venue capacity, as it is as it is known. Premise being that uh, if you were to look at the world's highest valued sports teams, so we go beyond the United States and include uh, UEFA teams, Yep, all 30 of, uh, or excuse me, 30 of the 32 NFL teams are listed in there. Wow. How many baseball teams do you think are listed in there? One. No, I'm sorry, five. Okay. See if you can name the five teams. Yankees. Yes. Dodgers. Yes. Uh, Giants? Yes. Wow. Wow. He got the two outer there, Peter. This guy's in position now to get all five. He went with the Yankees, Dodgers. He got the breaking ball with the with the Giants, and now I think he can get the final two. This is going to be fun to watch him perform out there today. Metropolitans? Really and no. Not, uh, that, that, was, that was a trap door. Okay. Cubs? That's correct. Uh, boy, oh boy, the Braves? No, I'm sorry. When I say Red Sox, you uh, will be like, rats. I left, you left a one-foot putt out there. Yeah, you left a one-foot putt out there. Yep. Uh, seven NBA teams. Yeah. Eight soccer teams. Yeah, that makes sense. The big, like the biggest eight soccer teams for sure would make sense on that. They're probably probably towards the top if I had to guess for at least a couple of them. Seven NBA teams, eight soccer teams, five major league baseball teams. Uh, the premise being NFL is simply America's number one obsession. And I'm wondering, I wonder what has transpired if we were to really go back. What is a, a fifty years now worth of data? Uh-huh. Some say data. Yep. And and go, why in 1972 is baseball number one, and why since 1972 has football replaced it? Because you're not just going social media, social media only yep. being a part of 15-ish of those years. You're not just going cable television, because that wasn't around up until the 1980s, really. Uh, Sunday Ticket, obviously, wasn't around. So I want, I, and I honestly, I don't know. I have always attributed, perhaps unfairly, the NFL's success with gambling. I was about, just about to say that. 
and perhaps the increase in its success is the increase in the prevalence and accessibility of gambling yeah. as it lends itself to gambling for whatever reason more so i don't know if i'm just i'm just firing bets at the pot and you're welcome to to fire theories as well if people like knowing like for example when i take my 5 year old to a blues game i know that on the absolute high side we're talking about you know, if it's a seven o'clock game, we're going to be able to be out of the building by nine thirty, right. and that's with overtime. Right. Um, so maybe nine forty-five. But with a baseball game, you don't know. I don't know if people don't like that. I liked it growing up, right? I hear. What but you're that's saying. when I didn't really have yeah responsibilities, right? Yeah, football w- has some semblance of a cap on it, although college football is growing in popularity, but also growing in the length of time it takes to play a game. Boy, the college howdy. football game is approaching four hours. Yeah, it's crazy. The NFL, uh, you know, for like a noon game on a Sunday is almost always going to be three hours or right around that. Baseball is a total crapshoot where that might be the only case. I think I, I have to think football is just like, I, I, there's no like clear reason because there are, it's, you can say it's a faster paced game. It is, but there's also stoppages all the time. Well, you you have that element, but I suppose I suppose perhaps just at the core of it is, is, is the math is relatively easy. You have ten times as many football, or excuse me, baseball games as you do football games. Yeah, that's a big. Part so of therefore, it. each football game has ten times the value yeah. of a of a baseball game. Yeah, that's a super important. But then you know, baseball, and basketball, and hockey both play really long regular seasons. Obviously, half of what. Major League Baseball does, but that's certainly an element of it. I just think football is, like, for a casual sports fan, it's just so much easier to watch, I feel like, because the most exciting play in football would be, like, what, a kickoff return for a touchdown or an 80-yard touchdown throw. You'll get with those a good, good amount. Like, it's very exciting. The most exciting thing you're going to see in baseball is a home run, and that just doesn't move the needle like a touchdown like yeah, Marshawn Lynch's that one time in Seattle. I agree with... I think most people would agree with what you're the most exciting play as a home run. And that's the weird thing. I fell in love with the game in the 1980s with the Cardinals, and I would have told you, first off, because we didn't see many home runs unless they were inside the park variety or you had the years where Jack Clark was hitting home runs. Otherwise, they were running. And the most exciting part for me was stolen bases or balls hit to the gap. Yeah. Or a ball that was slightly to the right or the left of the outfielder, and Vince Coleman or Willie McGee were going, I'm going to turn that in two. That's... That is something that has been removed. But again, that's the 1980s. This data starts in 1972. And if you look at the chart, it is a precipitous decline. And for only 9% to say baseball is their favorite sport, that speaks to where it is. And also, I think we would agree that it tends to trend older. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If you take it outside of St. Louis, I'm sure some people are thinking, you know, St. Louis, but the St. Louis element of it is is different uh, because in St. Louis, baseball is, you know, an absolute part of the thread of the culture. Uh, your thoughts are welcome on the topic. I see this information, and uh, and I don't think people would necessarily disagree with it, but what I'm trying to get to is why it happened and who is surging up into second place. I know you would say NBA, and I'm not doing this to poke fun and do the NBA thing. I think most people would say that. Yeah, yes. Um. Your thoughts, 314-399-9646. This is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN.
We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, balloon party. Driven by Munganass, St. Louis, Acura, Alton Toyota. This is 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you people theorizing as to the uh, data that we just gave you with regards to Major League Baseball's declining popularity, football surging popularity, uh, the lowest total ever. Uh, 9% of those surveyed by Gallup said uh, baseball, their favorite sport. That is an all-time low. Some people offering their theories. I think it is because football teams play once a week. The anticipation builds up each week. That certainly would make sense. Football has always marketed its sports better. Uh, more stars in the public eye get it better, more popular with the younger generations. It wasn't the start of baseball's decline, but it for sure led to the continued drop in popularity for MLB. That is from the 314. It is because of the explosion of cell phone usage. This coming from the 636. All the younger people just want quick, instant gratification and don't have the ability to appreciate the intricacies of a baseball game because it moves more slowly than most other sports, except soccer, of course. Jackson, uh, as a 24-year-old, how do you respond to that theory? I have I have presented that, but I don't necessarily think it means some, somebody is wrong and somebody is right per se. I think people are subconsciously programmed to a certain pace of stimulation and if you can go on, take your pick, TikTok, Instagram, and instantaneously get what you want, waiting for a guy to get the sign, check the runner, come to the belt, and here's the pitch, ball outside, 1-0, and that doesn't necessarily lend itself to the subconscious programming of the 20-something mind. That has been my theory on it. Again, you know, this data goes back to before I was born. Right, but, exactly. But how do you feel that the prominence of cell phone usage uh, starting at a young age mm-hmm. for people in your age range plays a role in this? Yeah, I think that, that I think the, the premise is correct. It doesn't explain why since 1972 we've seen this uh, trend, but uh, at the current state where it's so low, I would say that has a big part of it because, you know, that's just, that's how we've developed as humans is that stuff needs to happen quicker and it needs to happen in an instant and it needs to be as exciting as possible. So if you can't cram in as much excitement into a 10 second clip, it is kind of tough to get some people locked in and interested. And I know this had nothing to do with the topic discussed, but he took a shot at soccer there. Turn on a soccer game from the start of the game till the halftime, there won't be a commercial break. Soccer is very fast paced. Yeah, so. I disagree. I, 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 don't, I don't equate lack of scoring to lack of action. Exactly. But I, I recognize that for many Americans who criticize soccer, that is one of the biggest criticisms. That or ties or guys diving. Right. PKs, take your pick. But I also, I mean, listen, I'm just reading what people are sending no, in. No. But I do, I do recognize that that is a criticism for me personally. I enjoy it. At the same time, I'd be the first one to say it's not like I'm up early watching, you know, games over in Europe. Sure. I'm more of a drive-by guy with the uh, World Cup, and I anticipate watching the dogs when they start up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, It's the violence. No doubt about it. That's from the 314. I think that plays a part. You think so? I think that plays. I think that we, as, and that's not like a shot at humanity or Americans, but yeah, I think we do enjoy massive hits. That's why there's on you go on Twitter after a big hit it's a first thing you see is a massive hit that people enjoy watching that 
Uh, my son grew up playing baseball and played on traveling teams. Now he won't watch baseball because it says it's too boring. That's from the 314. The NFL's also done a better job of marketing. That is from the 314. Sport I've been watching way more of now is college basketball, maybe because Mizzou is doing well, but also the games are so fast. Really enjoy it over the NBA, too. That is from the 636. God, that's interesting. I don't necessarily feel that way. I, I feel like the game's are going to be at the longest, usually, two hours and 15 minutes. Wouldn't you say that's about your time range on the cap? Yep. yep. But I will just feel like the final couple minutes take forever. Forever. Oh, yeah. You're not wrong. And then if someone calls a timeout with like 12 minutes and 20 seconds left, you're going to get back-to-back right. timeout uh, takes there, which sucks. I would like to tell all coaches, please just wait 20 seconds so we don't get double shot on the TV timeout thing. But yeah, I, I, I hear where he's coming from uh, with that. It is quicker. But yeah, there is a ton of stoppages. There's no doubt about that. Here's a good theory. If we want to try to figure out 1972. Yeah. I imagine Monday Night Football had something to do with NFL success after 1972. Everybody talked about the game the next day. That's a nice play. It's a really good call. A really good, yeah, because when you're only playing, I guess, Thursday, Sunday, and Monday, Saturdays in December, but then you become the focal point for those days. Whereas baseball, hockey, basketball play every single day of the week, so it's not necessarily special to turn on NBA or NHL game. Whereas Sundays, it's like a ritual to watch football. Uh, I think the rules are designed for more scoring, people like the excitement. That's from the 314. I, I don't know if they necessarily were designed for more scoring here over the last decade or so so much as it was a response to CTE and safety, and then also the people driving. I mean, imagine a league where Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen were all out with injuries. Right. So I think it was about trying to protect the quarterbacks. It certainly changed the game a great deal. Um, But the byproduct of that was more scoring. That's my belief. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I mean, basically every rule— and, and designed is wrong, but like all, most rules are slated towards the offensive player. It's tough to be a DB in the NFL because there's very few rules that protect you and a lot of rules against you. Um, getting a million uh, texts on this topic. I, I, I don't, and, I, and then, then Jackson, and this is, this I could do two hours of a podcast on this. What would most likely be in second place, let's say 10 years from now? Uh, if we're going to acknowledge football will remain to be king. Even if it goes on a decline, you would say NBA? Just because of the global imprint of the game. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of countries play hockey. A lot of countries play baseball. Every country plays basketball. So Mm -hmm. you have that global impact. People come to America all the time. The global imprint of the game, I think... Uh, is a huge factor into it, and but that but that goes against football because really only America and Canada to an extent play football. This is nerdy, but does fantasy football have impact on the popularity? Oh, oh yeah, question. Absolutely, man. I kind of six one eight hundred percent group that in with gambling to an extent. Yeah, I, I mean without question. Yeah, that's a huge does. part of it. What essentially, and you can you can make this you can assign this principle to any business. Now we're talking sports here, but any business. If you can get the public to believe a luxury is a necessity, you have a business. Mm-hmm. If you can get the public to care about something that they otherwise would not care about, you have a business. And so I don't think that necessarily football has tapped into the former, but it certainly has tapped into the latter with fantasy football. And if anything, over the last approximate decade, with the advent of daily fantasy and gambling in particular— you now have people going, hey, you know, I 
you know, some of these Thursday night games that Al Michaels was grumbling about, you know, Oh, I got the over. <laughs> I'm so I'm going to I'm going to watch right. because, you know, with 5 minutes left, we're 3 points away from hitting the over and I'm going to watch. Absolutely. And that's the game. Or I've got it's yeah, I know it's the Titans and Jaguars, but I got Derrick Henry or I got, you know, Trevor Lawrence. So I'm going to watch. Builds so an interest. question. That's that's the trick. And and there is no way baseball is going to go to 17 games no. in the regular season. That'd be and, interesting, and though. My God, can you imagine? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Um, but that, that I, I think, yeah, if I were ranking reasons, that's got to be yeah. a monster. I think that's a good call. Monster factor. Uh, and then also, if you look at the European soccer, it's not like they're playing 162 games. No. You know, no. those seasons have great deals of importance on them, a variety of different seasons. And, Champions League getting yeah. underway. And it's not necessarily just coming in first, you know, coming in the first four in the Premier League gets you into the Champions League. So that's a huge. And then becoming the last three, you get relegated to the league below you. That's a huge. I love that. Oh, it's the greatest. People say baseball should do that. I love the idea of it. They would never. Yeah. They would sooner do a salary floor without a salary <laughs> cap than go, yeah. yeah, you know, I have this investment and it's worth a couple billions of dollars, but I might be relegated to double A, risking it. They would never do that, but boy, would I enjoy that. Oh, it's the the greatest. You would not have this crap that we have right now, and we had it last year, where you go into a season and going, okay, cross off half the league. You know they cannot win the world championship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It would totally change the game. Uh, Your thoughts are welcome. Uh, 314-399-9646. Enjoy the conversation today. Thank you to Chris Kerber. If you missed anything, you can go back and podcast Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast for Action Jackson. I am Tim McKernan, and this has been Balloon Party, driven by Mungadass, St. Louis Acura, on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.